Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Scott Spinelli, who is uh, part of the Believe Podcast Network and, and also uh, a college basketball expert uh, of the uh, highest order, as uh, we were thrilled to uh, talk to him uh, previously about the uh, NCAA tournament and college basketball in general. And I believe we are welcoming uh, Scott to the program uh, right now. Scott, Scott Spinelli, are you with us? Hello. Yes. Hey, guys. How are you? It's been a while. Great to be on the show again with you. Always a pleasure. Uh, it's great to have you on. And, of course, uh, Scott's background, he uh, coached at Boston College, Texas A&M, and uh, Maryland as well, and now doing a podcast and really is uh, zeroed in on uh, everything that's going on in college basketball. And, and this is the time of the year. Uh, Scott, let's start here. I mean, you know, uh, you always wonder how the cleaning lady always wins the office pool, uh, especially <laughs> when it looks like they're, you know, standout favorites to win the tournament. But if ever there was a year of the cleaning, I would think it would be this year. What is your thought about how open the tournament actually is? You know what? I think this year, again, much like every other year, you're going to have some teams that just have those favorable matchups. They get hot at the right time. Um, and all of a sudden now you're looking at another team like last year's St. Peter's that you never thought would actually make a run, but yeah. they did. And as, you know, so as you guys know, so much of this NCAA tournament is about the matchup, right? Oh, no doubt. And, uh, you know, and, and yet it seems like, I mean, uh, they always talk about it in terms of parity. Uh, it, 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 it's interesting because uh, watching some of these uh, smaller, uh, you know, conference tournaments, you do have to pay attention to teams like St. Peter's. Did they not knock off Iona as the number one seed before they made their way into the tournament? St. Peter's last year, last year. Uh, am I correct in that? Yeah. Yep, they, they did, and and I think this year they're actually right now, they didn't have a great regular season, but they're actually making a semi-run here in the MAC tourney. But, you know, to your point, there's so many teams this year. I, I, like you said, there's a lot of parity, and I think there's a couple reasons why. If you talk about it from a basketball standpoint, you know, the, the NCAA gave those kids or gave all student-athletes an extra year of eligibility, uh, and then you combine that with the transfer portal, so you've got a lot of older, experienced players dispersed throughout the country at all levels of basketball right now. And because of that and that experience, I mean, you look at a team like Drake, I mean, they're a team right now that you've got to keep a close eye on because, first of all, the Missouri Valley, my son's a freshman, he plays at Evansville, um, and I watched the Valley very closely this year. But Drake is a team that literally starts two guys who are 25 years old, uh, one 24-year-old, one 23-year-old, and one 20-year-old. And out of those starting five, Four of them, and I've never seen this in college basketball, a thousand point scorers throughout their career. And the youngest player, DeVries, is the coach's son, and he's their best player. So that's a team right now that you've got to look at. But to your point, it is a very wide open NCAA tournament. I think I was 25 when I graduated finally. People <laughs> had enough credits to get out of school. I mean, only John Blutarski. That's, uh, that's some serious, uh, you know, experience edge yeah, there. And, uh, you know, you're talking about, uh, at that point, uh, a much more mature uh, physical presence than they have uh, if you're talking about kids that are like uh, 18, 19 years old that are playing as freshmen now. Uh, all right. I mean, everybody's always looking for sleepers. You, you mentioned a couple. Um, I mean, and, and we earlier, I, I know you're probably familiar with Brandon Lang, also on the uh, Believe Podcast Network, uh, professional handicapper. Uh, he was telling a team like Iowa State. And uh, I thought they'd kind of fallen off a little bit. But oddly, I was just uh, reading some uh, preliminary stuff about conference tournaments. And uh, the guy that had written this particular article I was reading 
had Iowa State pegged as uh, you know possible surprise team to win their conference tournament. Uh, uh, are there teams out there that, that have a legitimate chance? How, how deep does it go? Can, can you can you go twenty deep with possible champions uh, this year, Scott? Well, I, I think there's a couple teams that stand out right off the bat. I mean, first of all, you know, Kansas is you know got a few guys on that roster that are repeat national champions from last year. I mean, Jalen Wilson, Big Twelve, you know, Player of the Year, who declared for the NBA draft after his first two years and came back another year. Um, you know, Deshaun Hatton, they're going to be a very, very difficult team to beat. Um, and I think, again, I think Kansas, to me, is the best team or the team that you really got to kind of look at here to getting to the Final Four again and maybe cutting down the nets. But Houston is complete this year. They're healthy. Knock on wood. Satzer's back. They're going to be a very difficult team in the tournament. Um, and I'm talking about the top, you know, one seeds here. UCLA, uh, I was on that, you know, kick with them. But I think with them losing, you know, sadly, Jalen Clark is now out for the rest of the year. That's a huge blow to them. And maybe they, I'm sure they're going to rally around him. But they're a very capable team, too. Um, and look, and then you kind of go from anybody, right? I mean, you look at the Canes, Miami, with their guard play with Wong and, you know, and what they have right now down there. You know, again, if they get the right matchups, they're going to be a dangerous team here in the tournament. But there's a lot of teams that could come away from outside and uh, and make a run. I mean, Oral Roberts this year, uh, again, you know, they, they won their conference tournament. They're very capable. Um, you know, you saw UNC Asheville. I mean, there's another team that, you know, uh, is really good. I mean, College of Charleston, you know, has already got 30 wins. I mean, they're going to be a very difficult out. And, again, I think, you know, if I'm looking at this from where I'm sitting today, the Mountain West for the first time, and they've always had a bad – they get multiple teams in every year and then they lose. This year, again, coupled with the experience um, and coupled with those teams out there, uh, you know, like at least three if not four of those teams are going to get in, their three-point shooting is, at a, is, is, is elite in most all of those teams. And so – when you think about San Diego State, you think about a Utah State, um, you know, you, you think about a Boise State and who knows if Nevada. But those are teams you're going to have to keep an eye on, too, just because they shoot the three ball so well. And that can obviously, you know, the three-point shots going into the tournament, you can beat anybody. Okay, and we've asked Coach Larnega this himself. Uh, we, we're actually pretty friendly with him. And he has sort of uh, – laughed uh, in a way in this day and age with transfers and freshmen getting such a, a high level of play. But to me, at least when I was growing up, you talked about a guard play and experience always seemed to matter a huge deal in the tournament, right? Like the Canes making it to the eights last year, returning Wong, returning Jordan Miller, usually would be a big deal. However, a Nigel Pack, who's a big part of their team this year, is new, a transfer. They have a whole slew of transfers. So how much does experience, you saw Kansas win it last year, we saw with Carolina, it didn't help them at all. They were in the final. Now it looks like they're not even going to make the tournament. How much does getting deep into the tournament in 2022 matter for 2023? It really does. I, again, I think that tournament experience matters. Look, as a, as a coach, what you're trying to talk to your team about all year is you know every game or every day in practice, starting from the workouts individually to the weight room to, to the preseason. It's just to get better. And I think right now, you know, a lot of these teams that are coming into this year's tournament um, have guys who have been there, done that at their respective schools. They've got 
experience. And even if they hadn't gotten to the NCAA tournament, they were in those you know, conference tournament settings, which is like the NCAA, right? For the most part, those you know tournaments that are on neutral neutral floors. Um, and those guys are battle tested. So again, I think experience matters so much uh, going into this NCAA tournament, and uh, especially if you've had like the Kansas pedigree. You know, Houston's been there. Uh, there's two teams right there that I think are really um, you know capable of even colliding in the, in the national title game, but. There's a lot of other good teams out there, a lot of good players. Which team's going to get hot? And again, guys, as you guys know, the game has changed so much with skill and teams that can shoot the three ball with versatility um, are really difficult teams sometimes for those power five conferences to match up with when you have a five man out on the floor who's, you know, who's dribbling through his legs and dribble handoff and flips, and he's also shooting threes. It's really a difficult matchup sometimes where those teams can beat you from the three-point line. So interesting, interesting tournament this year. But, yeah, I, I agree. Experience does matter quite a bit. Scott Spinelli, you uh, coached uh, several stops uh, along the uh, college basketball tour right with us here and also is the host on the Believe Podcast Network uh, of uh, The Breakdown with Coach Spinelli and Jason Karras. Hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. And uh, good yep. to have you uh, on the program. All right, so uh, I'm watching, uh, you know, having been, uh, you know, a, a guy that was at Syracuse uh, circa about 50 uh, years ago. Um, and, and, and Jimmy B, uh, you know, ha- had a marvelous run there, 47 years as a head coach. Uh, when I was there, he was the freshman coach. He had just become the freshman coach. And uh, Roy Danforth uh, was the uh, uh, head coach of the varsity basketball team. Freshmen were ineligible, so he was coaching a separate squad. Um, you know, interesting uh, career, uh, five Final Fours, one championship uh, within an eyelash of winning another one with a great team. Uh, seemed to do better with the teams that were less heralded than the ones that had uh, star caliber players on there. I think he sent uh, about 26, 25, 26 uh, first round draft picks into the NBA. But uh, did it seem to you, Scott, like as that jumper was being taken by Wake Forest yesterday? Like before the guy even let go of the ball at the buzzer with point two seconds to go in a game, that Jimmy B's contract was in the shredder because they knew it was going in. Uh, what, what, what did you make I mean, of that situation there? Because uh, just uh, you know, prior to the ACC tournament, Beheim is uh, boasting that, uh, hey, I'll retire when I feel like it. I'm the one that's going to make the call. I, I guess their worst nightmare, the athletic department there uh, and the uh, – Chancellor, uh, the president of Syracuse, was that uh, Jimmy B should win the ACC tournament. So, do you, do you think they were rooting for him to lose there? They they already looked like they had this move in place. Uh, you know, I, first of all, I got to tell you, as you guys know, and you said this, I mean, you know, Coach Beheim will always be, um, you know, synonymous with that Syracuse basketball program and how he stuck to his identity for all those years with that yeah. patented two-three zone. And I mean, it's just something that. You know, it's kind of a sad day, right? When you lose somebody that's, you know, with a legendary coach like himself that, you know, every time you've played against him, whether I, I played as a player against Syracuse, uh, I've obviously coached against him for several years. And, um, you know, you're trying to prepare for something like that that is really not easy to prepare to. I mean, most teams put these zones in him so they can go against uh, a zone in practice. And, you know, Syracuse, the way they played their zone, the way they recruited to it, um, you know, their, their personnel was perfect to it. Um, you've got to tip your hat to Coach Bayon and all he has done, not only for Syracuse basketball, for the game. Um, I don't know the ins and outs of the specifics of what happened and 
how this thing went down. You hope that it was, you know, kind of his choice here. I just think that he, you know, he deserves that. I mean, what he's done. Um, and I, you, you know, again, I don't know how that all went down, but he surely will be missed uh, through all of college basketball in so many ways. It didn't look like it went down in a very favorable fashion. Uh, <laughs> although they did uh, pick his uh, assistant. Uh, you know, it's weird to have your signature as a coach be something that I would associate with uh, among the two worst strategies in basketball history. I mean, only exceeded by, uh, uh, you know, uh, Dean Smith and the four corners, which uh, was atrocious and led to, you know, severe rule changes and alteration in the way the game was played. Uh, you know, because here is a guy with like nine hamburger All-Americans and he's playing keep away like you're in the driveway with your little sister. And I'm thinking not exactly a brilliant strategy. The two, three zone, uh, Scott, I mean, w- when you went against that, tell me you weren't firing threes all night long uh, against that. It seems like the easiest defense to play and defeat. But, uh, you know, it worked for Jimmy B somehow. And, and as you're saying, it, it was somewhat treacherous uh, for other teams to decode. Right. It, it, it's an unconventional 2-3 in so many ways, but what made it really difficult to go against is the personnel uh, that they had. So oftentimes, you know, if you play against Syracuse and you've never gone against them, you don't really know them, you think, okay, you know, those bottom uh, low block positions or those short corners, well, we can get the ball down there and then you just got to go up and lay it in. But what happens is they've always had that long 6'10", 6'11", 6'9", shot blocker where you would think that you could see the rim and all of a sudden the ball would be batted against the backboard and they'd be starting to break. So they really made a living off recruiting um, you know, to that zone, especially as it relates to those long athletic forwards and, and that five man in the middle. Um, it really made it difficult to play against. Um, they covered ground. Um, and then you top it all off, I mean, you think about this now. With the rule changes in college basketball, it really favored Syracuse because, you know, you really couldn't touch anybody anymore. So teams were trying to go against zone, but nobody played it against Syracuse. That's who they are. And they very rarely had foul trouble. I mean, they, they have, obviously, at times. But, you know, when you're sitting in a zone like that, you know, oftentimes you're not really going to put a lot of pressure on your guys in terms of committing fouls. Um, and then you top that all off with them having a home court advantage in the dome. You're trying to shoot in a dome, like you said, to the, from the three-point line. That's a whole different backdrop there uh, as it relates to the opposition coming in and playing uh, in, in that arena. So there were so many things that were established uh, in Syracuse's favor, but it is not a, a, an easy zone to go against. And you, you laugh because you think, oh, two-three zone, those are easy. We'll just jack up threes. Uh, as Lee Corso would say, not so fast. I mean, it, <laughs> it's not that easy against those guys. So, uh, yeah, uh, it's up, up, unconventional zone to play against. Amazing, too, that uh, I, I don't know what brochure uh, Bayheim showed Stevie Thompson when he was leaving Los Angeles to come play at Syracuse, <laughs> but uh, certainly didn't uh, look anything I would imagine like it actually, uh, you know, was there where you were like covered and buried in snow from uh, from registration yeah. all through like spring break. And, and maybe even uh, after. Anyway, legendary career. Um, uh, second all-time uh, victories to Coach K. Uh, about, uh, what, he had 1,116 victories. Coach K, 1202. Uh, 35 uh, NCAA tournament appearances. Uh, five Final Fours, one championship. 
and an unceremonious dumping after that uh, Wake Forest three went through and uh, it was eliminated in the first round of the tournament. And, and there were signs of senility there, though. I mean, I don't mean to imply that, uh, you know, literally, but, uh, you know, all of a sudden he, he was even pointing a finger at our, our man, uh, you know, Coach Larinago, who seems to be the epitome of integrity and saying that, uh, you know, he bought a team. And, and you know, it seemed uncommon that uh, Beheim, who was always, you know, kind of irascible with the press and it seemed like he was always bitter and sour. Uh, would, would then start like lashing out at others. Uh, that that was kind of uncharacteristic, and that happened this year. Uh, final thing, and, and uh, you know, on the coaching front, uh, our friend Rick Patino, who uh, we got to know uh, pretty well, uh, you know, because he's a South Floridian, uh, you know, and, and ha- had a place down here forever, and was always a frequent. We would run into him at the track all the time, actually. Uh, and, and you know, he had a book out. We had him on a few times, and uh, it turns out to be a great guy, at least in our estimation. Um, cleared of all of his stuff with the NCAA. Uh, th- does he end up in another school besides Iona, which, uh, you know, the, everybody's talking about that and saying that he might leave. He's denying it. Uh, Georgetown probably, uh, you know, uh, looking for a new coach. Uh, St. John's looking for a new coach. Two, two schools that, that might be uh, being appealing to him. Uh, where does he end up? Well, I, as you guys said, I've got tremendous respect for Coach Patino um, and what he's been able to accomplish, uh, you know, in this profession. I mean, it's, again, another – you know, legendary coach who uh, set the bar high as it relates to his intensity, his team's really getting after it, extending defensively, um, and really, you know, kind of instituting that that full court pressure type style that uh, you know, kind of you know, made he made famous at Kentucky and so on and so forth. The other thing about Coach Patino, that you know, as a coach who's worked for many different coaches along the way, you got to tip your hat to, to Coach Patino in terms of him helping so many of his assistants move up the ladder. I, I think he had a vision and he's just got such a network within the profession now of guys who have either worked with him, um, you know, alongside him or worked for, you know, second generation assistants of his. And you gotta love that about a leader that you know pushes his guys. But as it relates to him moving along, look as obviously like you guys, you hear a lot of the different rumblings. Um, look, he's got the energy. Obviously he's a tremendous coach. I'm sure he's got a lot of unfinished business still um, as competitive as he is in terms of the, 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 the kind of the path he took here recently. So I wouldn't be surprised one bit to see him step up here uh, and get one of these, um, you know, BCS or Power 5 jobs and then try to make a run at another national title. All right. And, and uh, one more thing, if you don't mind, uh, Scott, we're talking to uh, Scott Spinelli. You can catch him on the Believe Podcast Network. The Breakdown with Coach Spinelli and Jason Keyes. And uh, that that is uh, also loaded with outstanding uh, insight into the college basketball scene. Uh, it may be a premature evaluation, but uh, as of now, uh, who, who are you uh, taking to be? Uh, give me at least a couple of teams you think will be in the Final Four. Uh, well, I think there's two teams this year to me that really stand out. I would have even included UCLA, but I'm taking right now a, a Kansas team and a Houston team that I and I know they're both kind of favored and they're there, but. Boy, I tell you what, if Houston continues to stay healthy, um, they're as complete a team, um, you know, as there is in college basketball in terms of playing both ends of the floor. Um, I've never seen a Houston team that ranks not only they all year or all every time Coach Kellen Sampson's teams have been in the top of the defensive uh, side of their, their, their conference and in the country in terms of how good they are defensively. But this year, offensively, they are a very complete team, and they're going to be a team that's going to be really difficult to deal with here uh, in the tournament. 
Uh, Kansas, I mean, they're averaging almost, what, 17 assists per game. Uh, tremendously well coached. They're balanced. They're experienced. They've got star power. They've got guys that cut down the next last year. Those two teams, to me, stand out. Um, again, I think there's a lot of other teams, again, depending upon matchups, that could get there. I mean, UConn is very, very talented. They're coming together now. They're playing well. Uh, and Duke's won, you know, uh, several games in a row here. They're, they're getting hot right now with a lot of talent. So you got to kind of keep an eye on Duke. Uh, Miami's loaded with experience, you know, that you guys had mentioned earlier. I like them. But, look, the team that I think you got to keep an eye on is, you know, some of these teams coming out of these lesser conferences. Look for those Mountain West teams to maybe uh, at least one of them, if not two maybe, to win a couple games. Who knows what can happen with them. And then I love that Drake team out of the Missouri Valley. Keep your eye on Drake. Uh, I think if they get the right matchups, they are going to be a problem, a big problem in this tournament. Um, and then you got to deal with the other, you know, the Oral Roberts of the world, the Kennesaw States. I mean, those teams are on exceptionally, you know, emotional highs. So you got to keep an eye on some of the smaller teams. But I think UC, uh, excuse me, uh, Houston and Kansas stand out to me uh, right off the bat. All right, I'm going to go into this with a motto there that you inspired. Uh, put your money on Drake and let them eat cake, my friend. As uh, we'll hopefully uh, make some cake on this uh, tournament. The year of the cleaning lady. I believe this is going to be it. Cleaning ladies everywhere are going to prosper here as if they, this was a lottery ticket for him. It's going to be amazing. Uh, Coach, uh, thanks so much for being with us. It's always a pleasure. We'll, we'll catch you on Believe, the breakdown with Coach Spinelli and Jason Karras. And uh, thanks so much for appearing here uh, with us on the show. Love being on the show, guys. Always a pleasure. All right, take care. Have a great day. Thanks, Coach. All right, thanks a lot. Appreciate it, man. Play the ponies in style at Champions, the outstanding simulcasting room at beautiful Hylia Park. Yes, the grand old lady of thoroughbred racing has never been more vibrant, and you can wager on the races from the top tracks around the country while enjoying a cocktail at the Brass Rail Bar or any of the fine food served throughout the facility. If poker is your game, you're covered in style, and you can play all your favorite Vegas-style games, including blackjack, craps, and roulette in Hylia Park's sizzling hot casino. Get a player's card when you walk through the door for all kinds of generous amenities, including our favorite, free play. When you come out to the ultimate casino and entertainment destination, highly apart. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.